guys have a beautiful, you have beautiful leaders. And I, I just want to take a minute to personally thank you guys for sharing your platform with me and allowing me to speak, hopefully, words of life into the people that you guys love. Pastor Sam and Pastor Kathy are just amazing people, and I think you guys already know that. So I just think you should just take a minute and celebrate them. <laughs> Amen. Amen. We have, a, we have a great mutual friend who connected us, and um, I like to think that water seeks its own level in life, and so you can kind of tell people by the company that they keep. And so, um, yeah, it doesn't surprise me that Pastor Russell saw fit to link us up. So I just want to, if you guys would just hold hands, why don't we just hold hands? Yeah, reach across, reach across the aisle. Let's hold hands and pray. <laughs> I, I call this the circle of love. I make my family do this too when we pray for a meal. Everybody hold hands. Circle of love, circle of love. And the reason why I do this is because um, there, there's something about touching other people, holding hands with them, um, reminding yourself that we are connected. We're linked up you know, in so many ways. And there's an important responsibility in being linked together. So let's just take a minute, Lord, I just wanna lift up this service. Father, I lift up each and every person here and I ask that the words, Father, that you bring through me tonight would truly be your words and your heart and let your message accomplish everything and anything that you want to accomplish here tonight. I ask that chains be broken off of lives. I ask that shame be defeated once and forever. And I ask that there will be many here tonight who will make a decision to allow you to be Lord of their life. And Lord, for those of us who know you, who've already made that decision, I ask that you'll allow us to let you be Lord in a deeper way. So we thank you in Jesus' name. And everyone say amen. Amen. All right. You guys can go ahead and sit down. You know, we've been we've been speaking um, earlier today. We've been we were speaking about secrets and um, and just how secrets in your life, you know, cause so much damage until you bring those secrets into the light. And you know, there were there were some young people that I got to encounter after service earlier, and it was really beautiful because. I find it to be the most courageous thing that you can do to step out of your comfort zone and to say, hey, I'm turning this over to God. You know, I'm changing this about my life. I'm, I'm, I'm taking this thing that was secret and I'm, I'm bringing it into the light. And I read something, uh, part of it is Proverbs 16, verse 18. Or actually, I read something this afternoon when I was sitting in the room kind of preparing and praying for tonight. And it said, you know, Saving face, right? So a lot of times we don't want to go to the altar for prayer. We don't want to reach out to the Lord. We don't want to confess our sin one to another like the Bible says, right? Because we want to save face. You know, there, there's, such a, there's such a cool thing that we all hide behind today. And, and it's, it's not real, especially teenagers. I know. There's a, how many teenagers are in the room? Come on. Under 22-year-olds. I figure there's a pretty good, right, there's, right? And you guys know you have a lot of peer pressure on you to be cool, right? 
I know, I mean, it was a million years ago when dinosaurs roamed the earth, but some of us were teenagers too. And I get it. But you know, the, the, the coolest thing that you're doing is sitting here. And the coolest thing that you can do is to not just sit here, but to live out there as you are when you sit here. You know, when your life can be an open book so that there are no secrets and that anyone in church can see you anywhere at any time and you know that you're, you're living the life that God has called you to live, that's the coolest thing you can do is to be authentically a believer, to walk authentically in your identity. And so much of the reason why we, you know, we have secrets is because things are done to us by other people. And then we do things ourselves, right? And so secrets are so linked to this whole phenomenon. Uh, psychologists call it a shame spiral, you know? Secrets, usually about sin, usually about shame, right? You gotta bring all of that into the light to find your freedom and your deliverance. But I read this thing and it said, saving face is the work of the flesh, not the spirit. It's indicative of a heart that is dominated by pride not faith. And fleshly, prideful living always precedes a great and terrible fall. Now, I find that to be so incredible because I really hope tonight that you will not ever attempt to save face again. Because if saving face means that you stay locked in a place where your secrets control you, where your thought life controls you, then it's a dangerous place to be. So I'm not saying you have to confess every sin, but I am saying that there is a lot of stuff you need to find yourself a good accountability partner in. And you need to find someone that you can turn, that you trust and say, listen, my thought life is struggling with this, you know, or this thing happened to me and it's causing me to think in this way or to live in this way. Because so much of how we live out our identity as Christians has everything to do with how we confront the secrets and the brokenness and the issues inside of us that want to steer and control our identity. You understand what I'm saying? We don't want to be guided by anything except the word of God. So this morning we started in Luke, and I, I kind of want to start there again because it's just such a, these are such sweet scriptures that so encapsulate what I hope this message really communicates. And in Luke 8, 17, it says, for nothing is hidden that will not become evident, nor anything secret that will not be known and come to light. And then if you jump ahead to Luke 12, Luke 12 verses 2 and 3, it reads, but there is nothing covered up that will not be revealed, and hidden that will not be known. Accordingly, whatever you have said in the dark will be heard in the light, and what you have whispered in the inner rooms will be proclaimed upon the housetops. Can you say the word secrets? Secrets can kill you. Secrets can destroy you. Secrets about things that have hurt you and harmed you. And so I contend that if we bring our secrets into the light, we find our victory. And I think that most of us as Christians are struggling today to really walk in victory. We want to walk in victory. I was so impressed watching all of you here at the altar praising, and I've been so impressed with your praise. Your praise is indicative of a body of people that love the Lord. 
I can feel your love of the Lord. I see it in your praise. Well, there is something that wants to come against your identity and your praise, and it's something that wants to destroy you, and it has everything to do with your own story. You know, we all have a story, right? And I'll share with you some of my story. But you have a story, each and every one of us. Some of you have a story, and it involves parents who maybe spoke to you harshly or teachers who spoke words over your life as a young child, and those words were essential to curses. Some of you have completely dysfunctional families. Hello, welcome to the world. You know, some of us experience hurt, and we experience being dropped in the areas where we're supposed to be the safest. It's a part of the fallen world that we live in, and we know this. But I think what we don't often think about is how greatly the realities of our own stories, how greatly our stories can try to bench us in terms of our calling. You know, you're supposed to be the starting player in your life. You're supposed to be these of our own stories. How greatly our stories can try to bench us in terms of our calling. You know, you're supposed to be the starting player in your life. You're supposed to be on the court in your life passing the ball. But a lot of times you may have the feeling that you're sitting on the sidelines, that you're watching someone else's life and you don't know how to get out of yourself and bring all of that into the light. Do you know what the light is? The light is the word of God. The light is literally Jesus Christ. You know, I love, I love in 1 John, I, I, 1 John at verse 1, going into it a little bit, uh, this is a little bit of a sidebar, but I love how Jesus is described. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything, that, anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. You have to understand that whatever you think you're dealing with right now today in your life, whatever secrets you have about what someone has done to you or what you've done to someone else or what your thought life is or what your thought processes are or even what your behavior has been up until this very moment, the light can overcome it. There is no darkness in you that cannot be completely dissipated and dispersed by the light of God. And I say that because I know personally the truth of that. In my own story, my own story robbed my self-esteem. It left me pursuing fame as my identity. And I, I, you know, I think a lot of men can relate to that maybe more than girls can. Because when I was growing up, all my girlfriends were planning their weddings. I wasn't. I was planning my domination of the world. <laughs> I, I was planning my career. While they were dreaming of wedding dresses, I wanted to be just like the boys. I wanted to succeed. I wanted to overcome. I wanted people to look at me and think things about me based upon the things that I achieved. And the whole world told me that that was right. Because when I got good grades in school, my teacher said, you're better, you're great, right? My family applauded that. See, we live in a system and in a society that applauds our achievements as if they are, in some way, us. 
But how many of you know that's not true? Because you are who you are with or without success. And finding confidence in that as your identity for real is the hardest fought battle that you will ever have to fight. But it's the only battle that's worth fighting. Because there was a moment when in the middle of my career and every dream I had as a child on red carpets with private planes and money and access and wealth and privilege and famous friends that I literally remember laying on my face and counting the cost and saying, you know what, God, you saved me in a prison cell in Italy. And I had such a powerful encounter with the word of God, the light of God, that I know you saved me for more than this. So I counted everything in my life as loss for the joy of knowing Christ. And I love that scripture because I want to challenge you tonight to count the cost every day of your life. Count the cost. Don't let anything ever set itself up as an idol. Don't ever love anything so tightly that you can't let God remove it. Don't love or hold on to anything so tightly that you won't let God take it away if it needs to be taken away. That goes for careers, that goes for people, that goes for behaviors, that goes for mindsets. You know, the, the, Jesus said, be ye continually transformed by the renewing of your mind in Christ Jesus. I love that scripture because my entire life is about understanding that every day I have mindsets that God is constantly changing. And you do too. Every day. There's so many young people in here and you watch TV shows and I know you do and you watch movies and they're creating mindsets. They're creating mindsets about how you see marriage. They're creating mindsets about how you see authority. They're creating mindsets about order in your life. They're creating mindsets that tell, that, uh, that, that tell you that certain sexual behavior is okay when it's not. You've got to bring everything into the light. When you check everything against the light, you will know the truth of the things that are coming at you. And I know that a lot comes at you. A lot comes at all of us every day because of the world that we live in. But you've got to continually bring and check all of that stuff against the word of God. The interesting thing about secrets is that secrets usually have something to do with sin. And I've been alluding to it, and you know that. When someone leans over and says, shh, don't tell so-and-so, that's usually not a good thing. First thing I always want to say is, why can't I tell everyone that thing? Why are you telling me that and I can't tell everyone? Well, you know why? Because it usually has something to do with, well, with gossip, small one. Or it could have something to do, like me, because as I shared earlier, I was the victim of childhood sexual abuse. So that don't tell anyone, that statement was really about keeping sin a secret. It was really about dominating my mind to a place of fear. And you know, sexual abuse and rape, I was raped as a teenager, caused me to have a, a life that I didn't ask for those things to be done to me. But you know, when sin gets in, in those secret dark places, and now you're the victim of some things that have been done to you. And they don't have to be things that are that bad. They could be other kinds of things that have been done to you, where you really know that you've been victimized, you've been abused. 
Usually what happens then is shame jumps on the back. How many of you know that shame is a very heavy weight to bear? Shame is one of, the, one of the heaviest and greatest burdens to carry on your life that I have ever encountered. Because shame is linked to fear, is linked to failure, is linked to a self-fulfilling prophecy that says what has been done to you will be done over and over and over again. And that you'll never break the cycle. That's why it's important to check all of that against the light. Because see, when I realized at a certain point that while I may have been sexually abused as a little girl, and while someone may have raped me as a teenager, well, we've got an interesting sound coming. While all of that may have happened, I knew that what God, does anybody else hear that? Yeah, I'm like, that is very, maybe if I get, I'm like, what? Maybe if, it's, if I get too close to the mic. Um, anyway, we'll just, we'll keep going. But in any case, the shame that I was carrying was so heavy because I realized that what it was doing, it, it, was, it was destroying my calling. It was destroying my calling. I didn't even really know what my calling was. I just knew a couple of things. I had really low self-esteem, like many people walk around with today. I thought that I needed the validation of other people to be worth anything, which many people walk around feeling today. And I thought that my secrets had to be kept a secret so I could never really tell anyone what happened to me. So I walked through life alone and isolated. Do you understand that as Christians, you were not created to be alone and isolated? You're not. We're created for fellowship. The Bible says iron sharpens iron. It's important that you yoke yourself together with other believers and sharpen your knowledge of Christ. You know, I, I, I have TV, a, a TV ministry now on TBN around the world, and I call it a walk show, not just another talk show. Because I come from a world in America of secular TV talk shows, and I've, I've had some really big ones and, and became the first woman of color to ever have her own late night interview show. And, you know, all of... All of that to say this, I always wanted to do a show that taught people how to walk out their life with faith because I didn't have that around me. You're very fortunate to have a body to fellowship with, to have brothers and sisters to fellowship with. Don't ever take for granted what a miracle that is. And if you love each other and are accountability partners with each other, then never be afraid to, re to reveal or to say to each other, hey, I'm gonna pull you out of your comfort zone because I love you. I'm gonna make you come and listen to this because I care about you. I'm gonna walk with you to the altar because I wanna see you delivered of this thing that you're walking around with that I know will destroy your life. See, there were people who did that for me. So at the height of my low self-esteem and my inability to really love myself, now how did I know I had an inability to really love myself? Okay, here's a, here's a clue, you guys. If you see yourself or your friend making decisions that do not evidence the kinds of decisions that Jesus Christ would make for them, and they may be making those decisions in relationships with other people, they may be making those decisions in, in how they're choosing to interact with people or where they're going. And I'll kind of, how many single people are in here? Okay, so we have a good deal of young people who are not married. Okay, sisters, girls, 
Ladies, you know and I know that we all have that girlfriend that keeps going back to the same well over and over and over again, and she calls you crying every time because she can't understand why this time he didn't call her. You gotta speak truth to her. You have to speak the truth in love. And guys, you and I both know, see I have all boys. I come from a house of brothers, and I have one son I birthed, a couple more that I adopted, and along with them came four or five others. I have tons of young men around me, all under 30. And I see the peer pressure to prove who you are in terms of your conquests. It is the guys around you who are living in the most worldly way in terms of their identity that often gets exalted in the world that we live in. How many athletes do we have in here? Anybody who aspires to play or play sports? Anybody? I have to say something. I, 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 anyone who likes sports, you, you, you got to understand there's this interesting phenomenon in which on my son's basketball team, he played at a very high level. It was always the guys who were really worldly who were getting lifted up. It's the ones who walked, uh, walk, they walk on the podium at the award shows and, and, and they thank God and then they walk off the platform and they live for Satan. Those are the ones that the world exalts. But you have to remember this. You have to remember what it says in, 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 in Psalms, and I love this, never envy the wicked, because if you could see their end, you would not be jealous of them. Sin pays its wage. The wages of sin are death, so it says in the Bible, right? Well, I have to tell you, I used to test that because I thought, well, okay, you know, how did I deal with my sexual abuse? Well, I became very rebellious. I became very promiscuous, really, because I felt like I learned a valuable lesson, and that was I will get you before you get me. I will hurt you before I allow you to hurt me. I will not give my heart away. See, I was sexually abused in, in my home situation by a relative, which really and truly psychologists call incest. And incest is the worst form of sexual abuse, they say, because it destroys your ability to be intimate. Intimacy is a very deep thing to be destroyed because intimacy is about your ability in your mind and in your heart to connect and be vulnerable and naked and real and honest with other people. When your ability to be intimate is broken, trust me, for me, it was worse than my body being touched. I would have rather dealt with the physical and sexual abuse than the brokenness of intimacy. Because you may or may not know this, but when you step out of God's will for your life in terms of purity, and purity is a big platform of mine because I know, because I've been there. When you step out of God's will for your life in terms of purity, you find yourself dragging all kinds of baggage into your marriage. Into that marriage that for some of you, you may have dreamed about and thought about since you were a young girl or a young boy. It becomes very difficult to unpack that baggage. So see, the wage of sin may not be a physical death, but usually if you think about sin, secrets, things that cause guilt if you're the one doing it, or things that cause shame if you've been the victim of it, the wage that those things pay may be the death of a friendship, 
How many times has gossip ruined a friendship? The wage of sin may not be a physical death, but it might be the death of an opportunity. It might be the death of a relationship with someone. It might be the death of your calling. At the end of the day, I promise you, Satan wants one thing from all of us. He wants our calling. Because, see, he knows what's dangerous inside of us. And I really believe from the way that I see your praise in this church and from the sweet, loving spirit that I feel on this church that there is a tremendous calling to love others on this church. Satan wants your calling. He wants you ineffective. He wants you not to walk in identity. He wants you to believe that your story is so bad you can never overcome it. Well, I'll tell you, here's a bad story. So let's see, sexual abuse, rape. Um, of course, I made it to, you know, through my high school and college years, prime to get my heart broken because when I finally did let the walls come down, I got crushed. And so my response to getting crushed was to rebound and run off with the first guy that I met, you know, in a, in a, in a, in a night of carelessness. And in month three decided, I am trying to fill the holes inside of me with everything. And it's not working. So by the time I was about 24 or 25, I was literally trying to fill the void. Alcohol, drugs, whatever you can do. For some people, it's shopping. For some people, it's relationships. Everybody has that thing, that ism, if you're not careful, that you will try to use to fill the void inside of your life. Secrets create holes. Sin creates holes. Holes that you try to fill. You try to fill it with everything you can. But those holes eventually create holes in your mind, holes in your heart, holes in your lifestyle, holes in your families, holes in your communities, holes in your nation. As believers today, never before has it been more important for us to fill our holes with the light of Christ because our nations are depending on us. They don't even know it. And while we give them room to drive us out and neutralize us and sit us in a corner, we're being used against us. See, the whole world was waiting for the sons of God to reveal themselves. And I know that speaks of a, of a future time, but I believe it also speaks of today. I believe that right now today, our identity is about revealing ourselves as who we are. We are the sons and the daughters. We are the sons and the daughters. And so what happens? I say, God, but what happens when the sons and the daughters have pain? What happens when the sons and the daughters have secrets that they're dragging around and even though they've, they, they feel like they've accepted you, those things still have us because we've been broken in some way. And he said, you know, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. Healing is still found with me. Bring those secrets to the light. I'll deal with them. So in my story, divorce obviously became a part of it. How could it not? <laughs> I came from divorce. I ended up divorced. I got married in a state of crazy, so why would I not have ended up divorced? But you know, it's funny, because while I was looking for love in all the wrong places, something beautiful happened. 
and out of that crazy marriage of mine, and it's a, you know, my testimony is long and complicated, and I, and I, I wrote my book because I realized I could never fully share the glory of God's story in my life in, in just a few minutes before people. I had to write a book. I, I, I resisted writing that book for 25 years. But when God moved me into ministry, I realized that the book, my testimony, was the way that I overcame. And it's in some way the way that I needed to share because we all overcome by letting God take our mess and make a message. By understanding that our history is his story. And there is glory in his story if we allow him in. If we truly take him in and take our stuff to him, to the light, we get blessed. And in turn, it's incredible that he allows us to be a blessing to other people. You know, Adam, uh, Genesis 2.25 says, Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. You know, I find it interesting. They felt no shame. Why? Because early in Genesis, there was no sin. There was nothing shameful about the state of their nakedness. They were able to be intimate, naked, in mind, body, and soul before each other without fear or shame. Well, what happens later at Genesis 3, verse 7, it says, then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together, and they made coverings for themselves. What happens when your sin gets found out? You usually want to say, shh, I need to hide. Don't tell anybody. That's not the state that we were originally created to live in. So how do we deal with all of it? Well, I'll tell you, in my life, what God gave me to deal with all of it happened in that prison cell in Italy. And I have to share this because it was, it was so powerful for me. I was raised Catholic, and so Father read the Bible, I didn't. I went out, sinned all week, and then I confessed to a little man in a box. That's, that was it for me. That's how I saw all of it. And I remember in that prison cell after I'd run off with a guy I really didn't know that I'd known for three months, went to Paris and married him in a state of complete pain and confusion in my mid-20s because I couldn't figure out what else to fill my void with. So I thought, well, I'll just run away from all this madness that's here at home with all these people that the world thinks are really pretty on the outside, but the inside was a very ugly existence. I'll run off and I'll marry him. And so I wake up on day 10 of my marriage in a prison cell in Italy. And I remember thinking to myself, God, if this is where it all ends, then I need you to explain to me how I got here. I need to understand how my secrets and how everything inside of me has led me to this moment. Everybody doesn't end up in a prison cell in Italy. Trust me, I get that. But we end up somewhere if we don't deal with these hidden secrets and these hidden things that can control our lives. For me, I ended up in a prison cell and I am so grateful because what happened in that prison cell was miraculous. But the most miraculous thing was a dream I had on about night number three. Now mind you, I was doped up on drugs because I went into a state of shock. But I went to sleep that night and I thought, don't swallow whatever they're giving you. So I began on that night, you know, taking whatever they were giving me under my tongue and spitting it in a cup. So I was quite clear when this occurred. I go to sleep. I have a dream, a vision. I don't even know what you'd call it to this day. All I know is that it was as real as you are sitting in front of me. And in that dream, an angel appeared to me 
and she was all dressed in white, and I was impressed with the fact that she looked exactly like my grandmother, who had gone to heaven, who was Italian. And I remember looking at her, so I was comfortable with her because she looked familiar to me, and in her hands, she had a book. And I looked at the book, and she said, do you know what this is? And I looked at it, and on, on it were written the words, good news. And she said, God is going to send you his word. And if you read it, he'll save you, and he'll help you. Commit your life to it. And in that exchange, I felt a tremendous peace, and I cried myself to sleep, or back to sleep. The next morning, I woke up, and a woman who was running the woman's side of the prison came and knocked on the door, and she said, there's someone who needs to see you. Now, she did this with the help of an Italian-English dictionary. Long story. So I looked down the hall, and walking down the hall in the distance is a little woman who's coming to visit me. She's introduced to me as Suor Angela. Sister Angela is what that means in Italian. Sister Angela is all clothed in white, which strikes me as crazy because she's clothed in white and she looks exactly like my grandmother, exactly like the angel from the dream. And she has a book in her hands and she holds out the book and she says, do you know what this is? This is God's word. And if you read it and commit your life to it, he will save you. And on the words of the book were written the Good News Bible. And I fainted. And they woke me up, and I started reading. And I read at the very first page of Matthew all the way through the last page of Revelation. And I'm telling you, what happened to me in that prison cell was that I experienced freedom for the first time in my life. You need to understand that in your secrets and in your bondage and in all the chains that you may be experiencing right now in your life, the light of the Word of God can bring freedom right there in the middle of your circumstances like you've never experienced before. The irony of the fact that I was my parents' firstborn, their golden child. I graduated law school from a top 10 law school in America at the top of my class. I studied at Oxford University. I did everything that I thought I was supposed to do to be successful on the outside, while on the inside, I was dead, completely dead. I was so hurt by the things that had happened to me. And I felt so that God had overlooked me. I didn't even know if he existed at all. But then in a prison cell, in the middle of sin, he pursued me to the depths of hell. Just like the Bible says, if you make your bed in hell, he'll pursue you there. God's pursuit is incredible. Has anybody really thought about how God pursued you? Do you remember the situations, the love, the constant pursuit, the unconditional taking all the time continually of your heart back to him? If you don't know that, I hope that you will not leave here today without making a commitment to find that, to have that, to claim that, because that's there for everybody. And he will pursue you and pursue you and pursue you until you give in. I meet so many people around the world who have, they have, they think they have more walls than I had. And I understand their walls because most walls that people throw up, I threw up also. It's what we do to protect ourselves. But you see, what you learn when you bring those lies to the truth is that we don't have to protect ourselves. We have a great protector. His name is Jesus Christ, and we can trust him. <laughs> so
So I guess what I really wanted to try to, to, to do was not preach at you so much, but to share with you my story. Because in the sharing of our stories with each other, and I believe that everybody has a story, I think that it's important that we, we take the time to listen. That's why I always try to take the time to listen to each person's story, because I know that no matter how you might cool it up or pretty it up, or hide behind a relationship, or hide behind a job or a career or a position, I know that everybody's got something that God is always working on and dealing with. And, you know, I love that song, you know, that you guys, apparently you guys have just added reckless love to your worship set. Because I understand, see, A, the young man who wrote that song is one of my spiritual sons and my son's best friend. But I also understand what Corey meant when he sings, there's no mountain you won't climb up. You know, there's no lie he won't tear down coming after you, coming after me. So what I'd like to do tonight is sort of close with how do you get out of this stuff? What's the next step? If you realize, hey, I've had some stuff and I'm broken. Hey, I've got some secrets. I've got a secret thought life. Or I've got some secrets about other people that hurt me, that said things to me, that did things to me, and I know those things weren't right. How do I get past that? Everybody in here wants victory, right? We want to walk in the victory of Christ. We don't want to live in the pain and the shame of our past. Well, I have to tell you, <laughs> and I didn't even plan on going here earlier, but I did, and so I'll land here again tonight. The most powerful answer I can give you is found in forgiveness. It's the thing that nobody wants to do. I did not want to do it. I didn't want to forgive who hurt me. They didn't deserve it. A lot of you have experienced things at the hands of other people, and those people don't deserve to be forgiven. A lot of you have done things, and you don't feel that you're worthy of forgiveness. And I'm not just talking to the unbelievers in here. I'm talking to my Christian brothers and sisters. But see, he leaves the 99. He leaves the 99. Why? Because the one who thinks he or she is so awful is worth the light of his love. So Jesus Christ's whole gig was about forgiveness. And tonight what I'd like to do is just close your eyes all around the room. And I just want to ask the Holy Spirit with you. Holy Spirit, just bring to their minds and their hearts, Lord, the things that they need to forgive, the things they need to release. Lord, Help them to understand that forgiveness is not a Disney movie. And it doesn't mean that you live happily ever after all the time. No, because we have wisdom. We don't get in harm's way twice. But forgiveness is about taking the right that we have to judge someone else or to judge something that someone else did or to judge ourselves for what we did. We don't have that right. Forgiveness is about taking that right and giving it to you, Jesus. So I ask all around the room that you would allow the Holy Spirit to bring to your mind and your heart who you need to forgive, what you need to forgive. I ask the Holy Spirit to then speak to you about what you've done that you need forgiveness for. And then all over the room, if you would just begin to speak out 
as an act of worship. I forgive whatever it is, speak it out and get it off your chest. And it's really easy. Lord God, repeat after me, Lord God, I ask you to help me forgive. I don't wanna be chained to anything in my past or my present. So right now I take my right to judge, even myself, and I give my right to you. And I ask that you would free me and I ask that you would release these situations from my life, in Jesus' name. Now I would ask if you would stand up all around the room. And if there's anybody in the room tonight that you've brought with you, who doesn't know Christ but wants to step into a relationship with Christ, just kind of, kind of keep your eyes closed. Could I see by, just by a show of hands, if there's anyone in here who doesn't know the Lord? If there's anyone in here who's come to the end of themselves and needs God to really take over? And if there's anyone in here who really feels like their secrets need to truly be surrendered into the light in a new way, would you raise your hands? Amen. 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 You four here, could you link together and just pray for each other? Just pray for each other and ask, and, and ask God to help with whatever those secrets are. You don't even have to reveal them, but I ask if someone near you has raised hands, if you guys would just join in and pray for them. Don't, this is not the moment to shrink back. We're not those who shrink back, you guys. You have to press forward in this walk. You have to surrender daily. And it's about feeling awkward and uncomfortable sometimes. Is there anyone else who's raised their hand who wants to just put, give those secrets th to God? There's people here, right here in the third row, fourth row. If you, if, whoever's standing next to this guy, back here as well. If you would just pray for your brothers and your sisters. We're supposed to be family, you guys. If we're not safe to do this here, we're not safe to do this anywhere. Just pray for each other. You've got brothers and sisters who have their hands raised, even this much. Let them know they don't have anything to be embarrassed about because you're gonna leave your zone right now and go to them. Just like Jesus goes, he leaves. He leaves the flock and he goes to the one. And so as you pray for each other, I'm gonna join you in prayer. Lord, thank you that you continually go after the one. Thank you, Father, that we have each other to pray with. I ask, Lord, that you would deliver the lives of the people getting prayed for right now. I ask, Lord, that you would shine a light so brightly on each and every one of us that we would never be in bondage to secrets and shame and guilt because shame and guilt are about Satan. Freedom and light and victory is about the God that we serve. Who serves the God that I serve? Who knows that freedom and victory is found at the feet of Jesus Christ? Who wants to shine the light daily in their own lives and walk in freedom? Amen.